0: 7th Parallel on America's Haunted Highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.
1: What's up everybody, welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, I think it's episode 238. We stop counting, so so should you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure next episode is 239, so I think it's safe to say episode 239, the six-year special, smut, smut, and more smut. I know more smut than you can put in your butt. Normally, we do a anniversary show with listener stories, but this year, uh, pretty much has the whole last year. We're really behind schedule, so we forgot to really put out the APB. But that's all right. Next episode will be our six-year anniversary, which is a super sexy, smut-filled episode. Yeah. So make sure... Touch me there. Don't touch me there. Hashtag consent. Yeah. Well, on this episode, half of us, well, two-thirds of us, are in vacation mode. And Preston, what do you have planned for the weekend? Um, lots of bullshit. Okay. S- so, um,
0: you know... We're remodeling mom and dad's property. And Jeffrey and I took that over um, last March after dad passed away. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, mom didn't really want to have to move to the city. And, um, you know, I'm partial to this, this place. You know, I grew up here. And so I think it's, uh, you know, nice the fact that, you know, my kids are being able to enjoy the childhood home that I grew up in and we're mm-hmm. able to keep it in the family. And um, so... Now, uh, we're really getting the ball moving, and I got uh, three bags of dirt out front to build up the duck pond. Mm -hmm. I got a guy coming in and putting in a chain link fence. I have the fireplace being fixed for like the 15th time because they keep ordering me an insert and breaking the glass, and then it's on back order. (laughs) And then I got a guy coming out Sunday to take a look and pour a concrete slab so that we have a driveway. And then I got the foundation people coming next Tuesday uh, to look at the foundation and start that process. So daddy is uh, in cleanup mode, get prepared for work mode, and then write checks mode um, that it's really (laughs) burning a hole in my pocketbook that I don't like writing. Yeah,
1: but at least you made all those really cool pins that you turned on your lathe in the garage. So I mean,
0: yeah, and uh, so I ordered uh, today um, on my poop break. Uh, <laughs> I decided to to get on uh, old Roof Niles uh, Stoppers dot com and order some more bottle stoppers and bottle openers and blanks Ooh. and. Some other stuff, and uh, so that set me back about 140. And, but it'll be here Thursday. So if you guys want to uh, up your uh, whiskey bottle game, or your rum bottle game, or your tequila game, unless you drink like uh, you know Kentucky gentlemen, um, don't don't message me. But for any other brand of alcohol out there, uh, if you want to up 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 your bottle game, you know, hit me up for a stopper. I'm more than happy to make you a custom. Custom bottle stopper. Uh
1: you know. We'll have to put some pictures of what you're making up on the Instagram.
0: Yeah, they don't don't listen to Steve. They don't look like butt plugs. So
1: No, they look just like butt plugs. No, they they don't. They to the point where you could probably cover them in lacquer and maybe we could have our first ever adult line of merchandise before our real merchandise drops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're really fancy butt plugs. I mean, they're
0: butt plugs that are going to up your butt plug game. So, That's true. Yeah. If you need to up your butt plug game, message me, and I'll make you a- Check
1: out com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Well, while you're doing all that fancy stuff, Stephen is currently sailing halfway around the world to Cancun, I think, on a cruise ship with Katie. And looking like the guy off Jurassic Park. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he's in vacay mode, man. He got the Wi-Fi on the ship, so he's been sending us updates um, today, but yeah, he's on a cruise. He'll be back um, probably Friday evening, I think, they get back to Galveston, Texas, and then hopefully we're going to meet up in Dallas where Shayla and I are going to be preparing for Texas Frightmare Weekend this weekend. We're going to swing by there on Saturday and maybe, maybe get a chance to meet a couple people. Um, Brad is going to be there, as well as his daughter from the Chucky franchise. Robert England is going to be there, Heather Lankenkamp, Tom Savini, and a lot of other people. But we're going to go take a look around, check out uh, the wares, and maybe if the lines aren't incredibly too long, get a few autographs. We'll see.
0: So really fuck both of you because um, you're all going to be off having fun and daddy's going to be working.
1: Yep, working for a living. Well, in October when you guys are, you know, taking your haunted honeymoon, why, you think of us, because we'll be working.
0: Yeah, I will. I'll be sitting there like, my phone is going to be shut off, so fuck all of you (laughs) for two weeks. I'm not responding to dick, and I'm just going to be drunk the whole entire time with, like, ghosts and debauchery. So...
1: So really, it's going to be like any other day for you, but your phone will be turned off. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, let's not waste any more time with pleasantries. Let's get on to it. Unfortunately, it has to be a bit of a short show because we still have to finish getting a few projects done before the weekend's over. Namingly me, not we. I have some commissions and stuff to work on. I got some pretty cool projects I'm doing with some listeners, so more on that later. But for now... Let's jump into the news. First up from news4jax.com, don't approach lab monkey missing after Pennsylvania car crash. That's right, the last of escaped monkeys from a car crash of a truck towing a trailer load of 100 of the animals was accounted for late Saturday after a pickup truck collided with a dump truck in Pennsylvania on the highway. Several, well, a hundred monkeys had escaped following the collision in Pennsylvania, but only one had remained unaccounted for as of Saturday morning. This prompted the Pennsylvania Game Commission and other agencies to launch a search for the missing monkey. A spokesperson for the Federal Center of Disease Control, the CDC, said in emails on Saturday that 100 of the Sinomulgus macaque monkeys had since been accounted for. Three, unfortunately, had to be euthanized. The email didn't elaborate on why three monkeys were euthanized or how it all came to be or necessarily how they all came to be accounted for, but a spokesperson did say the euthanized monkeys were done so humanely according to the American Veterinary Medical Association guidelines. It was a shipment of monkeys that was en route to the CDC-approved quarantine facility, after arriving Friday morning at New York's Kennedy Airport from Mauritius, an Indian Ocean Island nation. The Atlanta-based CDC said the agency was providing technical assistance to state, state police in Pennsylvania. The collision occurred Friday on the highway near Interstate 80. The location of the quarantine facility and the type of research for which the monkeys were apparently ordered for is not clear but this type of monkey is commonly used in medical studies. A 2015 paper posted on the website of the National Center for Biotechnology, information referred to them as the most widely used primate in preclinical toxicology studies. Earlier, police had to urge people not to go out looking for monkeys or not to catch them on their own, as plenty of reports were coming about people running out trying to catch monkeys in cages. If anybody saw the monkeys or located them, they were asked not to approach, attempt to catch, or come in contact with the monkeys. And a spokesperson
0: for the CDC said, if you want to know the outcome of this story, check out Outbreak, the 1995 thriller action movie, with two <laughs> hours and seven minutes is going to answer
1: all your fucking questions. God, ain't that the truth, man. <laughs> I think we're just getting over it, Hopefully. Uh, the current plague we're in and now we had a hundred potentially diseased red monkeys running out you know through Pennsylvania for fuck's sake well if that didn't sound shitty enough this next story is just a little more shitty a woman had to be rescued after falling into an outhouse toilet trying to get her cell phone in scene Washington, a woman who accidentally dropped her cell phone into the hole of an outhouse in a national forest fell in while trying to retrieve it and had to be rescued by firefighters. The Brennan Fire Department chief Tim Manley said the woman, who was on top of Mount Walker in the Olympic National Forest northwest of Seattle, had been using her phone when it slipped and fell into the toilet Tuesday afternoon. Manley said she disassembled the toilet seat and used a dog leash to try to fish out her cell phone, eventually using the dog leash to actually harness herself (laughs) as she tried to lower herself into the toilet to retrieve her cell phone. The effort failed, and she fell into the toilet head first. The woman was alone and tried to get out for 10 to 15 minutes, but once she found her cell phone, she was then able to use it to call 911. Responding firefighters passed her blocks in which she used to stand on to reach a harness, which they then used to pull her out of the vault. The Brennan Fire Department said the woman was then retrieved uninjured. She was washed down and strongly encouraged to seek medical attention after being exposed to human waste, but she only wanted to leave. (laughs) The fire chief said, I've been doing this for 40 years, and that was a first. So was this uh, was this a, a real
0: like old timey f- fashion outhouse or was it just like a porta potty?
1: I, I mean assuming I don't know, it's on a national park, so it could be an old- timey wooden outhouse. That's a good question. My uh, you know my grandmother was old enough so
0: she was born the year the Titanic sank and uh, they lived out in r- the rural country, Kansas, and they didn't have central plumbing. And mm-hmm. so, uh, for the, uh, the, you know, until she was like twelve, really, um, past like the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl, she uh, recounted tales of how I uh, shouldn't have been such an ungrateful little bastard with all the, the modern day amenities that that we had, because she had to use an outhouse <laughs> and use like corn cob to wipe her tush, and going out in the middle of winter it was minus twenty degrees and you had to go stinky and you wouldn't have liked it so <laughs> now
1: just imagine falling into it
0: oh god yeah or like a fucking like a rattlesnake jumping up there and biting you in the
1: key <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a yokai on our old yokai episode that liked to hide in uh, outhouse toilets and tickle uh the ladies fannies
0: yeah it was just it was a hairy severed hand like it wasn't like a whole yokai it was just the fucking hand and it would hide in the bottom of the outhouse, and then while you're sitting there pinching one off, it would like go up and like tickle your butthole and be like, Hello! <laughs> I've got dirty uh, fingers.
1: Right. doo diggers. <laughs> well, moving on. Ruins of an ancient Egypt temple for Zeus were recently unearthed in Egypt. Coming from NPR... Egyptian archaeologists unearthed the ruins of a temple for the ancient Greek god Zeus in the Sinai Peninsula, Antiquities authorities said on Monday. The tourism and antiquities ministry said in a statement that the temple ruins were found in the Tel El Pharma archaeological site in northwestern Sinai. The Tel El Pharma, also known by its ancient name Pelusium, dates back to the late Pharaonic period, and was also used by Greco-Greco-Greco-Greco-Roman. Thank you. There are also remains dating back to the Christian and early Islamic periods. Mustafa Waziri, Secretary General of Egypt's Supreme uh, Supreme Council of Antiquities, said archaeologists excavated the temple ruins through its entrance gate where they found two huge fallen granite columns that were visible. The gate was destroyed in a powerful earthquake in ancient times. Waziri said the ruins were found between the Pelusium Fort and the Memorial Church at the site. Archaeologists found a set of granite blocks probably used to build a staircase for worshippers to reach the temple. Evacuations at the area? No. Excavations? (laughs) We've really switched (laughs) parts, haven't we? Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Excavations. Excavations at the site date back to early 1900 when French Egyptologist Jean-Claude Det found ancient Greek inscriptions that showed the existence of a Zeus Cassios temple, but he didn't unearth it according to the ministry. Zeus Cassios is a conflation or combination of Zeus, the god of the sky in ancient Greek mythology, and Mount Cassius in Syria where Zeus was once once worshipped. Hisham Hussein, the director of the Sinai Archaeological Sites, said inscriptions found in the area show that Roman Emperor Hadrian renovated the temple. Temple ruins are the latest in a series of ancient discoveries Egypt has touted in the past couple of years in the hope of attracting more tourists. The tourism industry has been reeling from political turmoil following the 2011 popular uprising that toppled longtime autocrat Hosni Murbarak, The sector also dealt with further blows by coronavirus pandemic and, most recently, Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
0: So there's a lot of evidence. I mean, I guess I should take this back. I I don't want to sound like I'm definitively saying that that this is it because, you know, academics are going to argue till the fucking Earth ends that their views are right. And then you have one guy that's like, now, this is right. And you know, a lot of it is based off the of fact that we have taught in the history books this one concept for so long that when new evidence comes up, like nobody nobody wants to move away from it. Mm-hmm. And so the connection, when you ask, what well, you know, what what is the connection between you know ancient Greeks and Egyptians, um, other than the fact that uh, you know you had a, was a Cleopatra. That was uh, the uh, Egyptian uh, queen that was actually half Roman, and you know she was fucking half of Rome and had some offspring. There's there, there's not much of a connection. However, um, you took art history with Fritz, and I did indeed. Um, you know we 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 talked about places like Shata Huyuk and Ur. And a lot of these early civilizations where, you know, when we talk about the migration of the human species, we talk about out of Africa. More importantly, um, the area out of Africa was the, you know, Naya, Delta River, Mesopotamia area. So you have, like, Babylon. You had these first actual city states like Shatahuyuk and Ur where you can show evidence, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 8,000 years ago, whatever it is, that we actually had, you know, streets and buildings and organizations. And even if you look at the Old Testament, and um, some of the stories in the Old Testament, um, a lot of that was borrowed from earlier civilizations. And so, you know, we like to think historically when we look back, like, oh, you know, the Greeks, man, they, they were just so fucking... They were brilliant, you know. They were one of a kind. They had Zeus, you know. They had Athena. They had Dionysus. Um, but you know, really, uh, it's an it, it's their their mythos is borrowed from an older civilization. And if you look at you know Mesopotamia um, and the Anunnaki. Like, the Uh names changed, but the descriptions are exactly the same. And so you actually find a lot in that area that um, the Greeks would come in or the the Romans would come in, and they would actually repurpose this site uh, to whatever the name of the old temple was that was worshipping a god that was very similar to the characteristics of Zeus. And they would just repurpose it to say this is now the Temple of Zeus. Um, But Even like Norse mythology, like Odin and Loki and Thor, um, none of it's really original. Um, It's just repurposed to fit the era and the culture that's actually using it. And so a lot of these temples, there's not a connection other than the fact that like when they came there, they're like, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, some (laughs) Egyptian... Cool. That sounds like Zeus. This is now the Zeus temple. Quick, Jerry, throw up some columns, and then boom, you have a <laughs>
1: temple for Zeus in Egypt. So, well, I think a lot of mythology is connected because each of them, both Egyptian and Greek, typically dealt with gods creating, you know, different parts of the earth and the earth right. itself. So, yeah, I gotcha. Okay, but Egyptian mythology, in Egypt, um, that era was way before the the Greek, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you could say that, uh, you know, while the uh, Greeks were in loincloths picking their nose and saying Oogabooga, um, the Egyptians were already building pyramids and, uh, you know, had signs of civilization. But then the same could be said that while the Egyptians were in loincloths and saying Oogabooga, the Mesopotamians had already built, you know, modern day civilizations and had, you know, advanced, you know, writing culture and things like that. Um so there's this really this kind of ebb and flow between all the civilizations throughout time where, you know, one is making advancements while another one's going into a dark age. So
1: Huh. Well, you definitely paid attention more than I did in Fritz's class.
0: Dude, I'm a fucking I'm a fucking like history nerd. Like you know what? Like you start talking about ancient history, I fucking I chub up. Um, you know, you start throwing in ancient aliens. I might just get a wee bit harder. Um, you start talking about lost civilizations and dude, it's a full blown, like, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, it's like the Eiffel tower, dude. It's like at attention, like, let's go boy. I'm ready to party. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but that's more than I ever wanted to know about you. Yeah. Thanks for for sharing your feelings today.
1: (laughs) Gross. Yeah. Well, changing gears here from Preston's erections to back to the news. Apparently, documents have recently been released revealing a plan for the U.S. government to possibly nuke the moon. Now, as we know on the podcast, truth is usually stranger than fiction, especially when it comes to the recent. Uh, history. So this is, of this one is of actually
0: de- true, though. This is this is not
1: this is not like some conspiracy theory. We actually we wanted to do this. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So recently, um, documents have been released by the Department of the Defense. In their most secretive program, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as TIP. The TIP operated from 2007 to roughly 2012, about five years, where they gobbled up millions of taxpayer dollars with hardly any adult supervision. So this lack of accountability coupled with an endless cash flow inspired officials at ATIP to dabble in some truly bizarre research. We're talking about the stuff you hear on Star Trek and Harry Potter and everything else. Transversible wormholes, anti-gravity devices, and even the development of potential invisibility cloaks. But the scheme that takes the cake remains as hopefully just a simple proposal to tunnel through the moon using nuclear explosives. Yep, that's right, we were going to nuke the goddamn moon. So the New York Times first announced the existence of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, a.k.a. A.T.I.P., back in 2017, about five years after it supposedly dissolved. According to Popular Mechanics, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, founded the A.T.I.P and then they started studying phenomena related to ufo's and of course this revelation sparked the interest and scrutiny of individuals fascinated by the alien question but beyond searching the night skies for ufo's and flying saucers due to a recent 4 year old freedom of information information act request by vice for dozens of documents that recently got filed the foia request resulted in a cache of 51 documents toppling at right around 1,600 pages of classified documents. So while it might sound kind of like run-of-the-mill documents that are incredibly boring, some papers have revealed some surprising and mysterious ATIP activities. So on to further reading. These reports and papers can leave you feeling as though you're inside a sci-fi movie realm. But it's worth noting the authors of recently released documents also spend a fair amount of time discouraging the use of these technologies. Yeah, because, you know, we definitely don't want to blow up the fucking moon. Perhaps the wildest claim remains as a proposal about negative mass propulsion that details the possibility of nuking the moon for interstellar mining. The authors wish to do this by. The authors wished to do this in search of lightweight metals, and according to the report, the metal in question was as hard as steel, but 100,000 times lighter. But there was a slight kink in the plan. The location of the precious metal was supposedly in the center of the moon. So they considered blasting a tunnel into the moon and relying on thermonuclear explosions. Now, fortunately for all of us who want to stay alive, The crazy plan never came to full fruition, but it still has people who've dived in the papers scratching their heads. So, yeah, there was a slight chance a couple years ago, five or ten years ago, that our government wanted to blow up the moon to harvest precious metals.
0: Yeah, so what what brought this about is when they landed the first, like, you know, probe or whatever, Mm -hmm. before we sent... uh, what was it Apollo Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong yeah so they sent a bunch of probes up there beforehand you know because we got to test this shit out you know make sure nothing bad's gonna happen and you know we're gonna land one and see if we can land it before we put men in it and (laughs) landed and the fucking moon from the pressure of landing right it fucking rang like a bell so they had right. all sorts of like seismographs and like different like instruments and they're like, Danger, Will Robinson and it sent back this ping that like the moon was hollow, but then there was something mm-hmm. in the middle that resonated back. And so then they're trying to figure out like one, how how the how in the fuck can the earth or the moon be hollow? And then two, um, I mean that means like that that pinging noise. I mean it has to be like it's vibrating like a bell, so it's got to be made of like you know, you know tungsten, helium three, titanium, yeah, yeah, bullshit alloy. Fuck! I mean the Wolverine. There's our animanium boys. We got to get up there and get it. <laughs> and so uh, this like scientist is was like sitting there. He's like, well, fuck it. We got all these nuclear uh, warheads left over. Let's go nuke that son of a bitch. And then it became an idea that um, if you were to nuke it, if you got the moon out of slightly out of orbit, you could change yep. the tides and cause catastrophes. Um, you could have a nuclear fallout because since the moon has no atmosphere, that radiation could blast back to the uh, the Earth. And um, like if we were to bomb, like let's say like China or Russia or Russia was to bomb us. Technically, that's kind of isolated, right? You know exactly where the nuclear fallout is going to happen because you, you know, you have a specific spot that that warhead is detonating. Whereas if you blew Mm -hmm. it up on the moon and there's no atmosphere, and somehow it leaks back, um, it could be widespread. Like it could hit everybody at once, or I mean, like it could be like this weird nuclear wind that could just blow in and just fuck everything up. So they're like, "Uh, you know, Jerry. Top points for being creative. We really appreciate. Uh, you know, you come to the meeting with the idea of nuking the moon, uh, but we're gonna go with option number two, which is not nuke the fucking moon. But uh, props <laughs> for your creativity, okay, buddy? Keep it up. Yeah, yep, yep. Here's an office uh, uh, space in the corner, and here's your little red stapler. Okay, good job. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, also, um, if you blew up the moon, it could potentially throw off millions of women's menstrual cycles, which back in the 80s, scientists believe ran in correlation to the phases of the moon. I
0: mean, yeah, and then, you know, you still, uh, there are studies going on today that show that uh, when a full moon is a effect, that's why we call people lunatics, Mm -hmm. um, that you have people that are in a heightened sense, like... People are slightly more agitated when it's a full moon. Certain animals act different when it's a full moon. So if you fucking move that bitch five miles this way, five miles that way, a little bit closer, a little bit further out, man, God knows what's going to happen. i would be like a <laughs> fucking a zombie apocalypse.
1: I was waiting for you to talk about somehow PMS and the moon, and I was just going to let you just dig. Uh, no, I'm not
0: going to. I, I I I'm not going to dig myself that hole. Um, so I took the safe route. Thank you very yes, much.
1: Yes, you did, and I am yeah. proud of you. And people are putting away their ink pens and shredding those hate letters yeah. they were about to send us. Uh, big Stephen at gmail.com uh, gmail.com. for all those hate <laughs> letters. <laughs> Oh, look at the look at the personal growth that yeah. you've done over the last five years. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I'm I have all
0: this personal growth, and now you can't fucking read the English language. It's so weird. I know
1: that yeah. was brutal. I cut. I'm going to cut so much of that out that no one's going to hear it. But boy, howdy, I don't know what that was. Jesus. <laughs> uh, the well,
0: excavate, The, the exaltation. <laughs> uh, the evervation. Fuck, what's that word?
1: Well, you know, normally I read these things a few times um, before we do a a recording, and this time I read each story once, so that is on me.
0: Yeah. Practice
1: practice makes perfect, buddy. (laughs) True. To round things out on this news episode, I want to leave you with a parting thought. Move over, Alexa, because apparently you weren't the first AI device to be spying on us in our own homes. Oh. So back in the late 90s, a weirdly wonderful robotic creature took the world by storm. It was a mashup of an owl and a hamster known as the Furby. Furby. Yeah! The Furby responded to physical touch with coos and gibberish and expressive facial gestures. Over 40 million of these fuzzy little bastards were sold in just three years. After the initial production spurring a Beanie Baby-esque global takeover. But beneath the Furby fervor could have lurked something of a more well-founded fear. Both children and adults alike were falling head over heels for Furbies, but other people were leery about the lifelike toy that you could never switch off. This spurred many Furby-related conspiracies including that which the robo-pet was teaching kids bad words and interfering with flight equipment and even one saying they were actually an international spy device. So, were Furbies simple harmless fiends or spying foes? One of the most widespread Furby conspiracies was that the creature was actually an international spy. Back in 1999, the National Security Agency, NSA, banned the polyester chatterboxes from offices because it believed Furbies could repeat or record conversations about sensitive information. The NSA even circulated its own internal memo, reminding staff that recording devices of any kind were strictly prohibited. This includes toys such as Furbies that might have built-in recorders that repeat the audio with synthesized sounds that mimic the original signal. This panic got so bad that Roger Schiffman, the owner of the Furby manufacturer Tiger Electronics, actually had to issue a statement saying, Although Furby is a clever toy, it does not record or mimic any actual voices. The NSA did not do their homework, and the Furby is not a spy. One reason people believe the particular narrative was that the gremlin-like toy learned their human companion's dialect. And we use the term learn very loosely here. Furbies were pre-programmed apparently with 700 to 800 words. While they spoke their native language Furbish, When they came out of the box, more interactions would prove to unlock other real words. In actuality, Furbies couldn't learn or record anything, says Dave Hampton, the creator of Furby, and even demonstrated that the puppet's microphone didn't record any sounds and could only hear a single repetitive beep if a noise was made close enough to the Furby. No waveforms or words could be made out at all. So in a time when most of us have an eavesdropping device by our side, 24-7, i.e. your cell phone or Alexa or whatever, it seems kind of silly to be scared of a furry spy. But however, as we've come to learn now, surveillance capitalism is a very real thing and personal information is still being mined without our permission. Now I don't remember about all that, but I do remember hearing that furbies were not allowed in the cockpits of airplanes. And I do remember the supposed cursing Furby spree that caused him to actually get pulled off of uh, Walmart and Kmart shelves, and I think even Target for a little while. Apparently, Furbies would say the words, hug me, and the way they were pronounced sounded more like the Furby was saying, fuck me. And about three dozen of the talking dolls. We're sprouting brazen, fa- uh, brazen phrases as well as soon as they're pulled out of the boxes. So, you know, it is possible that somebody may have tinkered with a couple of them here or there. But uh, yeah, Wasn't, i remember uh, all-
0: Teletubbies, like basically <clears throat> the same thing. Like there was like a Teletubby doll, and like you'd squeeze it, and it would say something very graphic, and parents were like freaking the fuck out, like, whoa, kids, don't play with the yellow one it's bad uh,
1: man let's see here um a small chain of toy stores has yanked Teletubby tell a poe from its shells after complaints that the, <laughs> the doll says fatty fatty and fuck it <laughs> <laughs> yeah there it is oh man no fatty, child fatty. Is safe fuck it Man, we could have done a whole episode about that, because I also remember when Barney the Big uh, Purple Dinosaur was pulled off of air because he, on one episode he said, I'm so happy I could pee my pants. And apparently a bunch of kids started pissing themselves because they thought that's oh. what you do when you're happy. Well, what about uh, Tickle Me Elmo? I'm pretty sure that one got pulled too because it,
0: it had a few bad things.
1: Well, there's one article here that says Tickle Me Elmo was recalled because it was a known cancer risk. Fuck. Oh, damn. Do not uh, yeah. tickle me, Helmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay away. You yeah, little bitch. Kill you little it with furry fire. fucker. Oh man, we should probably do an episode about uh, toys gone awry from the yesteryear. Yeah, man. All right. If you're on the social medias, please give us a follow on the Instagram at PXL Paranormal. Check us out on the Facebook, The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, what do you got about YouTube?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say shit about YouTube till we get up to 200 subscribers and we're not there yet. Yeah, we're at a few more than last time, but I'm not going <laughs> to let you know because you need to get over there. And once we get to 200 or surpass 200, then I'll start talking about it again. So if you want to know all about YouTube, get your butts over there, like, subscribe, and share. And then listen, folks, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you find yourself stuck in the bottom of an outhouse and you're faced with is covered with shit, then you're doing it all wrong, because instead of being covered in shit, it needs to be covered in Big Dobbs Beard Balm, okay, so go over to BigDobbsBeardBalm.com and use promo code P-X-L-P-A-R-A for 20% off your orders, so instead of your face smelling like shit, it smells like bay rum, fresh, citrus, mint, classic, and sweet tobacco, so get it all and get it at
1: Dobbs. There we go. And if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post Pawnee and Seneca. Now, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, next episode will be our six-year super sexy anniversary episode. But that doesn't mean you still shouldn't and couldn't send us your personal paranormal stories. So please start sending those stories in. We will do a listener story episode very, very soon. I would assume probably either the end of May or very beginning of June once we get all these vacations and everything out of the way. So please definitely send us your listener stories. I've got a couple in the bank already. We're just waiting for a few more. Alright, with that, on behalf of Big Steven Sailing the Seven Seas, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us who love to talk about it.
0: And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highways, or waters. (laughs) The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.